So we are concluding our series today on what does a successful life look like? And, um, and, and basically the premise of the uh, series is simply this, that a foundation of a successful life has four cornerstones. And on week one, we talked about how uh, one of those cornerstones is time spent with your family. Uh, sometimes you'll go into seasons where the quantity of time is available. It is important that if it's available, you give it. And then you'll go through other seasons where the quantity is not available. And so you have to really be measured and laser focused on the quality. Um, I sent a text message to somebody in my family uh, last week because I've really been trying to practice this. I texted him and said, hey, just want you to know I'm thinking about you. I love you. And he shot back a text message and said, what are you, bored? It's like, it's like yeah, there's family for you, right? <laughs> you just got to keep on plowing. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? It's just like, I didn't even hear that. I'm just going to keep on plowing. Um, but number two is time with the Lord, time with God. You got to have a, a, an appointment with him and then talk to him all day long. All day long, you just don't ever stop. You pray in your head, you pray in your heart. Whatever you're doing, you're praying, 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 praying. If you're if you're not praying, you are living life alone. Um, it's not the load that's the problem. It's how you carry it. Um, and so you got to be careful that you are not carrying the load of life all by yourself. You've got to call on the God that commands the wind and the waves on what to do and when to do it. He is your father. He loves you so much. You are going to be shocked. Your mind is going to be when you meet him and you feel how much he loves you. It, when you feel it, it your mind is, you, you have no idea how much he loves you. So important to involve him in your life. And then number three is your uh, God-given gifts and opportunities. Uh, you will stand before the Lord and, and after your mind is blown and, and, fe- and I think you'll be blown for eternity, but um, there'll be a conversation that you'll have with him and he'll say to you, you know, I gave you gifts and I gave you abilities and I gave you talents and I opened up doors of opportunity for you. Some of the doors of opportunity was at a restaurant. Some of you was in corporate America. Some of you was, uh, in, in, uh, in domestic settings. Um, I, I just want to say that all of those gifts, all of those opportunities, the Lord expects you to leverage them. Use them as leverage, leverage. A lot of times we don't talk about money in the church where Jesus talked about it more than he talked about hell. But it, you got to use it as leverage and he wants you to do that. He takes pleasure in when you do that. And so if you didn't hear last week's message, make sure you hear that. And then today is the last and fourth um, installment of the series where we're going to talk about having great importance for the Great Commission. If you ever lay down and wonder, man, I really hope I'm living a successful life. You know, Billy Graham passed away this past week and 
everybody in the country um, that uh, had a half a brain um, honored him. Um, if you didn't honor him, you don't have a half a brain. Um, but he was just, I mean, people that are, uh, it is one of the only figures in, in the country where if you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, none of that mattered when it came to Billy Graham. Everybody honored him. I don't know about you, but it was inspiring to me to see a man live a life that by all measures was successful. And when you look at his life, you can clearly see all four of those categories had a, a Sharpie check mark next to it. And when you lay down at night, you can weigh your day. You can say, today was a successful day. I checked all of those boxes. Um, but let me talk about the Great Commission a little bit. Uh, the, the Great Commission has to be of great importance. It can't be an afterthought. The, the Great Commission cannot be something that we involve ourselves in if we get bored or uh, if the Great Commission uh, presents a good opportunity uh, for us um, and we participate in it. Um, no, no, no. It's something that you pursue and you're active with. Now, what is the Great Commission? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to read it together, all right? Go ahead and throw it on the screen, and on three, let's read. One, two, three. Therefore, go. So the Great Commission is a, is a commission. It's not a suggestion. It's not Jesus saying, hey, if, if, if you don't mind, um, it, it, it's, it's, no, no, no. It's, it's a commission. It is a assignment. Is two disciples of Christ, people that look at Jesus and say, you are everything to me. I want to study and follow your ways to find people and to follow him together. Uh, in, in life, life is like a highway. There are some people that insist on driving in the slow lane. Have you ever met somebody like that? Um, I'm not talking about on the highway. We all know how to lay on our horns for people like that. But in life, have you ever looked at somebody and went like, do something with your life for all that's good and holy. Go get a job. Have you ever met somebody like that? They're in the slow lane. And then you meet somebody else who's in the fast lane. They were born busy. Just came out busy. Are you with me? Just, just, just constant moving, shaking, moving, shaking. And, and I think that the Lord of all the lanes on the highway of life, I think the Lord likes the carpool lane the best. Get somewhere, get somewhere fast, but take somebody with you. Someone say, that's good. That's good. Take somebody with, that's what the great commission is all about. It's not about just saying, oh, Jesus, I love you. I want more of you in my life. No, 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 that's not, that's not what it's all about. Uh, it involves that, but that's not what it's all about. It, it's about saying, I'm going to get people to get in, in the lane with me, to pursue God 
with me. I'm going to challenge people with me. And, and that's what it's all, it's about. You know, um, Napoleon Hill said something, uh, that was fascinating, that's really inspiring. He says, the ability to influence others without irritating them is the most profitable skill one can have. Isn't that so good? Can you inspire and, 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 and compel without being irritating? Um, that is a skill that we need to develop. Something that's like, come on with me. Um, there are so many people that are fighting battles right now. Let me rewind and say that again. Everybody in this room is fighting a battle that none of us have any clue about. Some of you came walking through these doors for the first time in a long time because if God doesn't help you, you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what you're going to do. If if a miracle does not happen soon, you're in a lot of trouble. And what the beauty of your situation is, is you know where to run. You know where to go. And for those of you that have walked with the Lord a long time, you can back up and say, I've seen him do it before and I know he'll do it again. Is there anyone here that's walked with him a long time? Come on. I've seen him do it before. I know he'll do it again. But the Lord is so consumed with lost people that don't know where to go. That are just sitting in their bed right now. Sitting on the couch right now on this rainy day full of stress, worry, anxiety. The Bible says this, that he did not come for the lost. I'm sorry, for the found, but the lost. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the unrighteous. He came for the sinners. If he were to walk around today in the woodlands or in spring Conroe, many of us would never see him. Because he, he probably wouldn't be hanging out here. Uh, he, he'd be walking around looking for lost people. You know, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting thing because I remember, uh, does anyone remember Montgomery Ward, that store, Montgomery Ward? Wave at me. Yes, Montgomery Ward. Um, I believe there's going in about 10 or 15 years, I'm going to be preaching and I'm going to say, D- does anyone here remember malls? Mark my words, write it down. Y'all remember malls. In about 15 years, malls are going to be churches. I can guarantee it. Because nobody wants to go to a mall anymore. Everybody wants to shop online. I think malls are going away. But that's just me. That was for free. Um, if it doesn't happen, say somebody else said it. Um, uh, but but nevertheless, um, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. What am I talking about? Let me look at my notes. Oh, yes. Yes, I was at Montgomery Ward. Montgomery Ward with my dad. And uh, I was probably seven or eight years old. And, and my little brother uh, got lost in Montgomery Ward. Well, I think we we're in Montgomery Ward. Now, my dad's Italian. And so you have to expect things like this. He starts shouting, Jonathan! Jonathan! Now, many of, of, of you in this room, you're not Italian, but mess around and let one of your kids get lost and you could care less about what anyone else is thinking. Come on, mama, say amen. You're like, Johnny! 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 
just yelling. And I remember that. It would happen all the time. Jonathan just like, he used to walk on his hands everywhere he went. He'd walk on his hands. He'd just walk on his hands right to the lawn and garden. Just where he's going. He's over there in lawn and garden with him, walking on his hands. He's it's crazy. But my, my dad, Jonathan! And, and I would know my role. We never talked about it, but I knew my role. My, my role was to stay close to my dad and shut up and stay quiet. That was my role. Because if I were to have grabbed a basketball, I'm like, Dad, can I have this basketball? While he's looking for my brother, he would have made my head into a basketball. You would just ripped it right off my shoulders. Why? My, my father, just like your father, just like Jesus, he is more concerned about the lost son than he is the found son. He's very concerned about it. And, and disciples care about what Jesus cares about. It's so important that we love what God loves and we hate what he hates. There's some things that he hates. Can't, he can't stand certain behaviors. We can't be okay with those behaviors. He's our father. Um, there's certain things that he loves. We got to learn to love those things. It, the Bible says that his will should be done here on earth just like it is in heaven. If it doesn't belong in heaven, then it doesn't belong in our life. Someone say, that's good. That's good. Uh, I got three people that said, that's good. That's good. Um, but let me talk to you. The, these things are so important that the Lord looks down and says, if you participate in the great commission, I am going to reward you immediately. Immediately, I am going to reward you. There are two rewards that you receive immediately here on earth. And then when you get to heaven, he gives you two more rewards. And all four of these rewards are worth changing your whole life for. Um, let, let me share with you. Uh, last week, I sat down with a friend of mine. We were at Buffalo Wild Wings. And anytime I want to talk about God with somebody, I always have this lead question. Uh, I always ask the same one. I just say, hey, how's your, uh, tell me about you and Jesus. Right. And they're always like, oh, boy, here we go. They always have that look on their face. And, and I just mud face them. <laughs> and we get to talking and I said, he goes, there's not there's not a relationship. I said, OK, well, let's talk about that. And he goes, uh, I said, do you ever wonder where we came from? And he said, no. It's like, OK, I said, do you ever wonder what's going to happen after you die? He goes, No. I said, do you ever wonder uh, about all this? Like, what's the point of the world? He goes, no. I'm like, okay, this is going well. This is going well. Um, very successful individual. Very successful. Um, but he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I said, look. I said, you, you know, you, you, you probably... Um, have heard of Darwin and, and even Darwin, you know, he believed in this crazy thing called evolution and, 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 and he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. He goes, Frankie, you don't believe in evolution? And I went, no. He goes, oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? He goes, oh, Frankie. Oh my goodness. He goes, no, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. I'm in Buffalo Wild Wings and I went, just like, I was like, you're not going to judge me. 
you're not going to judge me. I started laughing and banging on the table. I was like, you're the one who thinks we're from monkeys and you're not going to judge me. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And, and he's looking at me. He's mud facing me. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, I'm like, you know, now we have an argument about who's dumber. And this ain't going well. In, in the end of the conversation, I would love to say, and he's sitting right here on the front row right now. He's not. He thinks I'm back crazy. But in that particular situation, I am referred to in the Bible as a, a seed sower. I sowed the seed. Now somebody else. He'll come along and water that seed and harvest it. And I believe he'll give his life to the Lord at some point. But I'm sitting there striking out. And it is awkward. Are you with me? It is awkward. Uh, but I received a gift at that moment. Just for participating in the Great Commission. Let me share with you the two gifts that you receive right at this moment. Um, the, the first one, let me read the Great Commission to you. Go to verse 20 of the Great Commission. Um, and it reads like this. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. Here it comes. I will be with you always. There is a degree of intimacy that you experience with God. That those who do not participate in the Great Commission do not experience. They do not experience. Are they going to heaven? Yes. You got Joe on this side. And and Joe could care less about the Great Commission. He could care less about inviting people to church. He just wants God to bless him. And he's going to heaven. That's awesome. And he has a relationship with Jesus. But Larry over here, he's saying, hey, God... If it's important to you, it's important to me. I got one life to live. I want it to be as successful as possible. Put me on assignment. These people right here, they experience a relationship with God that this person will never experience here on earth. How do we know this? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are a list of gifts. Many of you are very familiar with them. It involves things like prophecy, healing, etc., etc. Many of you, like me, have looked at that list and said, I wouldn't mind. If you want to give me a gift, hint, hint, hint. There's a few here that I want. Have you ever thought that? There's a few here that I want. But all of those gifts, it doesn't matter which one you pick. All of those gifts are given for a purpose. And the purpose is to build up the body of Christ. It is to help you perform the Great Commission. They are not so that your life is more fun. They are meant to be a tool. It's like a person who does not build homes starts walking around looking for hammers and nails. It's like, wait, you don't even build. And sometimes we back up and you're like, I want, I need some gifts, God. Well, you don't even build. God gives you gifts to help you do what you do. Now watch this. I'm a blow, I'm a blow your mind right now. 
Are you ready? Look at the person next to you. You're about to get your mind blown. Look at tell them. Blown. Gonna blow if somebody just went like this. Oh no. Here it comes. Are you ready? You're never gonna forget what I'm about to tell you. Ever, 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 ever. There's a guy by the name of Charles Finney. He, uh, he was a preacher and he was a part of the second great awakening and he was preaching between the years of, uh, primarily the peak of his ministry was between 1820s and 1830s. And, uh, he wrote a book that, um, I recommend everyone to read. I, I, I read it. I think I finished it last year or nine months ago, and I still read it. I still open it up to read it. Um, don't download it right now. Download it when you get home. Uh, but the title of the book is Power from on High. And he wrote of, of something that took place in his life that as you read the book, you realize that this was not abnormal for him. Things like this was not abnormal. And uh, I, I want to read an excerpt from his book. Uh, it reads like this. I have said that sometimes a look has in it the power of God. I have often witnessed this. Let the following fact illustrate it. I once preached for the first time in a manufacturing village. The next morning, I went to a manufacturing establishment to view its operations. As I passed into the weaving department, I beheld a great company of young women, some of whom I observed were looking at me and then at each other in a manner that indicated a trifling spirit and that they knew me. I, however, knew none of them. As I approached nearer to those who had recognized me, they seemed to increase in their manifestations of lightness of mind. Their levity made a peculiar impression upon me. I felt it to my very heart. I stopped short and looked at them, I know not how, as my whole mind was absorbed with the sense of their guilt and danger. As I settled my countenance upon them, I observed that one of them became very much agitated. A thread broke. She attempted to mend it, but her hands trembled in such a manner that she could not do it. I immediately observed that the sensation was spreading and had become universal among the class of triflers. I looked steadily at them until one after another gave up and paid no more attention to their looms. They fell on their knees and the influence spread throughout the whole room. I had not spoken a word, and the noise of the looms would have prevented my being heard if I had. In a few minutes, all work was abandoned, and tears and lamentations filled the room. At this moment, the owner of the factory, 
who was himself an unconverted man, came in, accompanied, I believe, by the superintendent, who was a professed Christian. When the owner saw the state of things, he said to the superintendent, Stop the mill. What he saw seemed to pierce him to the heart. It is more important, he hurriedly remarked, that these souls should be saved than that this mill should run. So often we look at the gifts of God and use being used by God as it's some petty take it or leave it type of gift. Do you understand that when you are a vessel that he can move any way he wants to, whenever he wants to, when he has that kind of relationship with you, everything else that is in your life will become unimportant. To be able to have the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, know that wherever you go, there is an open vessel. Wherever you go, there is a tool ready to be used. Wherever you go, whatever room you're in, He can use you to speak to somebody that is hurting. He can use you to speak to somebody that is in pain. We have all learned how to cover up our hurt. All of our lives look perfect. But God knows what's underneath the surface. And when you come walking in a room, he can look at you and say, this is my servant in whom I'm well pleased. I'm going to use her right now. I'm going to use him right now. Let me just share with you these gifts that God gives. This ability to preach without saying a word. These gifts are only given to those who are not consumed with themselves. They're consumed by the things of God. See, he watches you and I. He watches you. And he watches you try to fulfill the great commission with the the feeble gifts that you have. And he sees that I'm sitting there at the restaurant and I'm going, man, I'm not getting anywhere with this guy. I'm doing the best I can, but I'm not getting anywhere with this guy. This is the promise that comes at that moment. I see what you're doing, Frankie. I see what you're doing, Jennifer. And you're not going to be successful unless I give you more gifts. You're going to continue to be frustrated. I see that you're trying. But now I'm going to give you some tools, some gifts to be more effective. I'm going to tell you, we can't back up and say, Lord, give me some gifts and then I'm going to do something. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. When he sees that the great commission is of great importance, that he gives you great gifts to return with great fruits. This is how he operates. Now give him a round of applause for that. Lord, we love you. Oh, we love you. This is why. Oh, I got to read this scripture to you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, Paul said this, We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. This is Paul saying, we wanted to fulfill the Great Commission. We were coming after you. I was going to call you. But Satan prevented us from doing it. Mark my words, if you decide 
that you want to be used this way. And you start whispering to the Lord, God, I want you to use, bring appointments to me. Lord, show me who to talk to. Go, like Angie, Angie Babel, Babel said, go before me and soften their hearts. I want to be used like this. Mark my words. Hell, Satan will overhear what you're saying. He's involved in that situation as well, except he's on the other side. He's going to prevent you, and sometimes he will prevent you by making you successful in areas that don't matter. The fear is not being successful. The fear is not is being successful at something that does not matter. Oh, it's a scary thing when hell opens up doors of opportunity. Man, God gives you doors of opportunity, but so does hell. It's amazing on how sometimes I'm not going to chase it. That's how I chase rabbits and then I get lost. Here's the second thing that God gives you. He gives you a level of joy. Not only does he give you gifts to be able to use to, to perform the assignment before you. But in John 436, it says what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. I've seen people that are consumed with the great commission have two pennies to rub in their pocket, but their smile is so bright it can light up the, the, the night, the, the, the midnight hours. They are bright. They have joy, exceedingly joy. And that joy gets assigned to both the sower and the person who waters and the person who experiences the harvest of actually bringing them to church. It's a level of joy. And then when you get to heaven, the gifts don't stop there. For the sake of time, uh, I'm not going to read it to you. I'll just paraphrase. When you stand before him, he will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he'll say, you have been faithful over the small things. And now I'm going to make you ruler, ruler over cities. See, a part of eternity includes heaven, the city that you've heard of so many times, of gold streets. But it also includes this earth right here. This whole earth is going to be like the Garden of Eden it was designed to be. There's going to be cities. There's going to be, uh, 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 there's going to be areas of domain that you will be assigned to. See, right now you can open up Forbes magazine and you can look down at names that are the most influential financially. The same type of list exists in heaven, except it has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with what you did before you got there. The last and final gift that he gives you is in the book of Daniel, where he says this. He goes, those of you that led other people to righteousness... You are going to shine like a star forever. Forever. Would you stand to your feet for me, please? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. Let me ask you a serious question. It's very important. I ask it every single week, but if you've been here before, I want you to pretend like you've never heard it before. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, 
Are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no. But today is the day. Where you begin to pursue him like you never have before. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? That's it. I see hands going up all over the room. Can we all just raise both hands as a sign of surrender to the Lord? And with passion and conviction, let's raise our voice and say these words. Dear Jesus, I love you so much. Thank you for loving me when I wasn't paying attention to you. I need your grace and your mercy. I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. The worship team is going to worship. You can dismiss yourself when you get ready. But would you just stand here just for a moment and ask the Lord, what is it, God? What is it that you're trying to teach me today? Be blessed in the name of the Lord.